So you ever seen somebody perform a task or a music or a sport that they just seem to have a natural talent? Like a that's beyond just the level of hard work kind of ability. I've had the pleasure in my life or the pressure, I guess I should say, of playing music side by side with such kinds of people who are just naturally gifted in ways I'm like, I won't be there if I practice for 40 years or athletically competing with such people and even against such kinds of people. If you wish you were that person, that you could just perform or know without giving it a second thought, whatever it is that that arena that you're thinking of. Now to be sure, maybe you are that person. As I said, I've known some people, maybe even are seeing this now, that um, they have what seems like that natural talent or that natural thing. And if that is the case, then props to you. People admire that. So hold that admiration well. But for the rest of us mere mortals, there is hope. Maybe it's not the kind of hope that will get you instantly recruited to the Chiefs or the Bucks for tonight's Super Bowl game or that Carnegie Hall is going to invite you to sit in on their next performance. But there's still a hope to participate in something really far more significant, even than a Super Bowl, even than playing at Carnegie Hall. And in today's letter, between just two people, two guys, Paul is, the Apostle Paul is writing to a young student of his, a young student pastor. We might call him Timothy's, or Paul's protege, Timothy. He's helping him see that contrary to the ascetics that are kind of brewing up around and people who believed in um, physical denial as a way to spiritual growth, there were some things beyond the rules and the regulations of his faith, which would give him a purpose far greater than a Super Bowl trophy. The section that we're going to come at is just a couple of verses out of 1 Timothy. This is uh, chapter 4, verses 6 to 9. Check it out. If you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished by the words of the faith and of the sound teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. Train yourself in godliness. For while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. So allow me to expand the scope of this idea a little bit. Because you may hear these words and you're like, all right, fine. It's a letter between one believer and another written 2,000 years ago. What does it have to do with me? How is it going to help me out on Monday morning? Especially if you hear this and Christianity seems like it's the furthest thing on your radar. Like, why am I even listening to this at all? Okay, well, hang with me a little bit here. Because there is a natural bent for people to want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Now, that's not a believer thing or a non-believer thing. That's just a human being thing. Philosopher James Smith says that we're all oriented towards something ultimate. That's the word that he uses for it, something bigger than ourselves. We're moving towards something. We're moving towards a goal or towards a, a purpose. Philosophers call it uh, our telos, our purpose, our goal. And so in simple terms, life doesn't just happen aimlessly. It's moving, we're moving towards something. Now, Blaise Pascal, who is often known for his idea, he was a philosopher and mathematician from back before my time, He's often known for this idea called Pascal's Wager. And he says, kind of going all in the same idea here, that you have to wager. You can't not bet your life on something. 
You can't not be heading somewhere. We, we live leaning forward, bent on arriving at the place that we long for. Whatever that place may be, now it may be different um, destinations for each person, but for the Christian, this ultimate is the idea of godliness. In verse 7, have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales, but train yourself in godliness. It's a one-word version of sort of the Christian telos or goal. Um, and to expand on that a little bit, the goal is becoming more like Jesus each day. That's it put in simple terms. So how do we move toward that goal of becoming more like Jesus each day or acquiring godliness or moving towards that goal of godliness? I'm going to zero in on that phrase, train yourself in godliness. And note, um, the process for this is really the same, whether it's a Christian goal that you're going after or not. So there's, there's something kind of uh, universal, if you will, in this idea. But two things that will help us to reach that goal, again, whether it's godliness or something else that we are going after. First idea is imitation. Now, Paul says this in another letter that he wrote in 1 Corinthians 11.1 when he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I imitate Christ, so you imitate me as I'm doing that. Think about it this way. In our 21st century world, every top athlete, every leader out there that's top leader has a coach. If we watch the Super Bowl tonight, everyone that's on that field has a coach. Somebody who says, with an authority to, to it, do it this way and you'll be better. You'll get better. And in a way, Paul is kind of acting like a coach for Timothy. Um, as I said, Timothy is kind of known as Paul's protege. And he, 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 Paul, is guiding him and advising him as he learns how to pastor and take on some of the churches that, he, that Paul had started up. But you ever notice how some people help to form you even without being formal about it? It's, it's like they sort of teach through osmosis. Um, it, it, here's one example of, out of my own life. I've been helping out at my son's karate school uh, over the last, throughout this year. And you know, I'm working with guys who are incredible martial artists. I've done it on and off throughout my life, but I am never, I realize I'm never going to get to the point where I can match them. Because as I get better, they're just going to get better. And I get better, they're just going to keep growing. But as more importantly, they're lifelong learners. Again, I've accepted that I'm not going to catch up to them on physical ability. But here's the thing. These are the kind of people that every time I'm around them, they make me want to be my best or want to bring my best without even saying it. Just almost by osmosis, if you will. And in that way, as an example, they are guys that make a positive difference in my life. And, and hanging out with them and being with them and working side by side with them makes a difference. It's been said that you are the composite of the five people you hang out with the most. For good or for bad. You can go both ways. So here's a key question. What kind of models do you catch yourself observing? You catch yourself learning from being formed by, even if they're not formally teaching you. But here's a second way that we achieve our purpose, that we achieve that goal that we're going to. Again, whether it's, as Paul says, training in godliness or 
something else. The idea of practice. Again, I'm going to speak very broadly as I kind of explain this idea or this concept, but I'm going to zero in on Paul's words in a little bit and really show how this comes out of Paul's letter. But since I use this as an example, the idea of you know Carnegie Hall and, and being at a performance or making it to a performance of theirs, I heard a, a line one time that a tourist in New York asked, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And somebody had answered them, practice, practice, practice. Now note, neither of these approaches that I'm mentioning, the idea of imitation or the idea of practice, are about gaining information as their end goal. It's not just consuming knowledge. You know, it's Jazz musicians get this concept, get these two concepts very, very well when you see how they develop. Because they learn by listening to, and they learn by transcribing and playing, imitating the greats who came before them. In other words, they imitate those who have already made their mark on the art. And so they're playing their same licks and their same progressions and stuff like that. But they also practice their scales for years. But here's the thing. When I'm playing in a jazz setting or getting ready for a jazz setting and I'm on my bass, I can learn, you can learn a scale on a bass in like five minutes. It's not a difficult thing. It's, it's shapes. But I don't play scales on and off and or on and on and on and on for years so that I can run scales at a super speed. There's no art in that. There's no nothing to create out of just having physical skill to, to play skills super fast. You, you play skills, you practice those skills for years so that you can use them to make music without having to think about the mechanics. And likewise, Paul commends Timothy to be nourished. In, in verse 6b, it says, nourished, you are nourished on the words of the faith and the sound teaching that you have followed. So we can consider Bible reading or Bible study as an equivalent discipline, if you will, to running those scales or transcribing the solo of a, of a great that came before you. Again, here's the point. We don't read the Bible just so we can memorize a thousand verses. Now, certainly there's a value to Bible memory. And uh, from day one, I've been, I was sort of taught how to do that. But you can memorize an entire Bible and still be a jerk. And they can't, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have hundreds of verses in your head, but nothing that penetrates your heart. The goal of Bible reading, just as one practice, isn't just information. It's not just input, 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 but it's internalizing it. So it goes beyond the head and into the heart and into what Paul call, will call the gut. See, it's transformation. It's about transformation, not just information. We practice the virtues that we read about, you know, honesty and integrity and love and joy and peace. We, we practice those things that we read about so that they can become second nature. Just like the musician who internalizes the notes so that they can start making music without having to think about moving their hands around or, or moving their lips a certain way or, or their fingers a certain way. This allows us to pursue not just hope based on a living God, but to pursue a living God who gives us hope. Do you hear the difference? It allows us to pursue not just a hope based on a living God, 
but to pursue a living God who gives us hope. One of the most powerful lessons I learned when I was in seminary happened actually before I even stepped into my first classroom. I remember our Old Testament professor, Dr. Mariotini, who was uh, speaking at our orientation, and he said, don't focus so much on knowing about God that you forget to know God. And 15 years later, after I heard that line, that line still has its moments when it busts me up. When I'm like, oh, I'm doing devotionals for the sake of trying to have a Sunday morning sermon. I'm reading so I can get through my, my allocation for you know, whatever I'm doing in my plan. And rather than using it as a means or a way to get to know God. The equivalent, I'm practicing scales so that I can practice scales and, and run them fast rather than practicing scales so I can learn how to make music. So this week, let this idea be your prayer. Whenever you start a time of, of prayer or Bible reading or fasting or whatever discipline may be, spiritual discipline may be kind of on the books for you for that day, start with this idea. God, use this to help me grow closer to you. If you hear the ideas of prayer and Bible study and you're like, no way, this isn't me. First off, thank you for making it this far into the message to hear all of this. But start the day with this. God, if you're there, show me. Very, very simple. God, if you're there, show me. And through this, may you see the hope that goes beyond just information, but leads to life-changing transformation. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of transformation through your work. Work in us, work in our lives to help us learn more about, not just about you, but about but who you are. And in that way, give thanks for that. And be a part of the something bigger that you're doing in this world through us. Help us to do that well, we pray. Amen.